Hello, everybody. This is Troy Rafferty, the People's Voice, on our podcast, and, and I am fortunate enough uh, and, and, and unbelievably humbled to be in the presence of uh, one of the iconic civil rights leaders of our time and uh, who's done so much uh, for so many people and has sacrificed incredibly um, for the civil rights movement and uh, Reverend H.K. Matthews. And I, I just want to say before we get started, Reverend, I am, I am thrilled that you are here and can't wait to talk to you about all of these issues that we face in today's society and that you faced over your entire lifetime. Um, and so I want to thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm humble and overjoyed that I've been asked to be a part of this uh, podcast. Uh, so uh, I'm the one that's honored. Well, Thank you so very much for asking me. Well, we are we are we are going to talk about a lot of different things today um, on 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 this particular show, but. I want to. You and I had an interesting conversation earlier um, before we got started filming um, and recording. What? Tell me from your standpoint, from Reverend H. K. Matthews, somebody who lived through all of this, who sacrificed so much, who marched with Martin Luther King, who did all of these iconic things. What does Black History Month mean to you? Well, in actuality. Uh, I'm a little uh, taken aback by Black History Month uh, or Black History because uh, it kind of seems to me uh, that the powers that be, and of course Black History Month came into being a while back, but it kind of seems to mean that they sang to us and to the population uh, that uh, they can talk about all of the accomplishments that black people have made to this country in one month. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth because black history is American history and American history is black history. My contention is that not disrespecting uh, black history month, it, it, it does give us an opportunity or give people an opportunity to learn something uh, about black people. Uh, because my contention is I think the reason that so many people uh, dislike black people is because they really don't understand us as a people because they haven't had a chance to uh, study about all of the contributions and and all of the things that that black people have done uh, to make this country what it is, because on our backs this country was built. Mm -hmm. And um, I've had people to even ask me; uh, they had the gall to ask me about black history, and and uh, when I tell them what I think. They tell me that if I, uh, if I don't like what's going on in America, uh, especially with black people, that I should go back to Africa. And, uh, you know, my response has always been that it's kind of hard for me to go back somewhere that I've never been. 
and that um, when the uh, British go back to uh, England and the Jews go back to Israel and the Germans go back to Germany and the white people give this land back to the Indians who they took it from in the first place, uh, I might consider going back to Africa. But uh, for right now, America is my home. I was born 95 years ago in this country. So I think that's long enough to make me a citizen uh, of America. I so, think so. I think so. Uh, I'm, uh, but but I, I'm, I'm so appreciative of you asking me to be a part of this show uh, and to express uh, what I feel and not what some other people feel. Because I think, well, as I mentioned before we came in, a lot of people don't know that uh, the traffic light was invented by a black man. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, uh, the ironing board and the ironing comb and, I mean, the pressing comb uh, for hair and all of this stuff, uh, Madam C.J. Walker and other people uh, were uh, instrumental uh not necessarily instrumental, but did uh, invent these items. So it's, it's um, I, I think, again, and I'm being contradictory to my own self, that Black History Month does afford people an opportunity, at least momentarily, to find out some of the things that black people uh, invented and that black people have gone through. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, uh, my history uh, is one that people might not be interested in, but uh, my history is, uh, is one that's steeped in uh, suffering and uh, being misunderstood and uh, and mistreated. So uh, a lot of people don't know uh, what so many people went through in order that, and I mean black people, in order that they might uh, enjoy uh, the privileges that should have been ours all along but that we had to fight for in order that they might be able to do what they do. You know, uh, I, I asked some kids the other day, I said, have you ever had the privilege of having, going into an, uh, an establishment and seeing two water fountains, one that says black, I mean colored, and one that says white. Uh, I can remember there was a store in this town, Pleasing, that was the name of the store, that uh, we boycotted because they would not allow us to sit at the lunch counter. And uh, they, uh, they took us to court. 
had an injunction filed against us, took us to court, and I never drank so much water in all of my life <laughs> because there were these two water fountains, colored and white, and I kept drinking water out of the white fountain until the bailiff said to me, Reverend Matthews, you know that you are supposed to drink water out of this fountain that says colored. And I said, well, I would uh, if I wanted Kool-Aid. I said, but I don't want Kool-Aid. I want water, so I, I drink out the one that, that I know. <laughs> but but uh, And that wasn't that long ago. I mean, no, that was I, not that long that, that's ago. What I, that's what I kind of want to emphasize, too, and I want to hear your thoughts on it because I, 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 I do hear what you're saying, and quite frankly it is in some ways disrespectful to just have Black History Month. Of course, it was Black History Week before it became yeah. Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have White History Month. Exactly. I mean, we don't have White. There is no White History Month. No. And so, so I think it's. I think your position is really intriguing. I guess one of the things, and I want to get to your your history and your story, so that everybody can hear everything you did and how you've sacrificed and what has made you uh, the person that you are today. Um, but I'm curious, do you think we are progressing or are we regressing in certain ways in terms of our our uh, race relations? Now, it's kind of a mixed, uh, well. Uh, Maybe not a good question, but. I, I, no, I, I have mixed emotions about okay. it because, first of all, there are people like you and uh people in this law firm and people like Rick. and I mean, there's so many white people who seem to kick the idea of black and white aside and deal with people based on, on themselves, mm-hmm. I guess. I, on the back of my book, the back flap of my book, uh, I said that I've learned that all white people are not bad and all black people are not good. And when we talk about folk being racist, uh, that goes for both sides. They're racist in the black community, just like mm-hmm. they are in the white community. And to automatically, uh, automatically just say to yourself when you see a white person that he or she is racist because you got to get to know that person and once you get to know people then you can categorize them but until you do that you need to withhold your evaluation or, or your judgment well you don't suppose to judge anyway but hold your evaluation of the person as to whether you feel that they are racist or not. Because, you know, there's some black people I'd rather not be around. <laughs> there's some white people I'd rather not be around. And, and, and it, it ain't because of their color, but it's because of their behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so... Uh, that's what I, I, I base my evaluation of people on. 
the way they treat me and the way they act. And we're seeing some, you know, it's, it's I don't know if the right word is ironic, but it's, it's, it's very strange. We're, we're facing a situation right now where our governor is passing policies such as not allowing black history uh, to be taught in AP courses. Um, and it seems to me that we're, in some respects, taking one step forward, two steps back. And I'm curious about your thoughts on that. My thoughts on that is that our governor is trying to take us back to a time that never should have been. And he is doing his best. And this is what I said at the outset. Uh, People don't understand, don't like us because they don't understand us. And he does not want black history taught in the schools because he does not want uh, the educational population to know who we are. And so for that reason, he is doing all that he can to make sure that black history is not taught in the schools. He kind of reminds me of these people were in this gathering, this white preacher, I mean this Baptist preacher, a Methodist preacher, and a another preacher, another denomination. And uh, every time something came up, this preacher from the other denomination would say, I'm against that. And finally, he had to go to the bathroom. And when he got ready to go, he leaned over to the Baptist preacher and said, look, I got to go to the bathroom. But if anything comes up while I'm out, I'm against that too. So, DeSantis seems to be against anything that's going to be favorable to people learning about our history. He ought to know about it, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what, well, what... So, all right, so a couple, a couple points or questions about what you just said. So, do you... Getting back to my original question, does it seem like we are regressing in certain ways um, in our society in terms of race relations? Because I'm curious, as I said earlier, this wasn't that long ago. This was in, I mean, this was when, you know, you were living, you know, you were, you were, you were dealing with all of these things. You were, you know, fighting and, and, and struggling to, for the equality, where are we today in our society, in your opinion? In my opinion, uh, we, in some instances, we are retrogressing, in some instances, but in, not in all. Mm-hmm. There, there, there are so many instances where there are people from the white race, and it's always been this way, even back when, when uh, we were in the height of the movement, there have always been white people who have been a part of what we were trying to do. 
because they recognized that uh, we were being mistreated. So we are making progress in that sense because uh, look at what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. uh-huh. There were times that this would not be. And uh, without thinking about what the consequences could be uh, from those who might be listening. Uh, so I think we are progressing in some areas. And then in some areas, like we just got through talking about with the governor of Florida, we are retrogressing. I think, again, that he's trying to take us back to a time that never should have been. Mm -hmm. He's grandstanding. He's trying to, he's trying to out-Trump Trump. So to that degree, uh, we're retrogressing. Okay. Because, you know, I, I can remember the days when George Wallace ran against Patterson in Alabama. And Patterson won. But there are so many people who are of good faith, who are of the white race and of other races. They want to see progress made. They are helping to see progress made. I think in one instance is right here, uh, for you to do this is trying to help open the eyes of a lot of people who otherwise would not know. Mm -hmm. Because the sacrifices that were made by me and others uh, were not pleasant, a lot of them. Well, you sacrificed a lot, and I want to talk a little bit about you um, and your story and your sacrifices and what you lived through, what you saw, um, and how you fought for the movement. Um, so for all of our listeners out there, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. I, I went through a lot. My family went through a lot. I endured 35 arrests for just little nitpicking stuff that law enforcement had determined that they were going to get me. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I, I, uh, and they did get you. And they did get me they did get in the final again. analysis, in the the 37th arrest. They, they did get me. Uh, For peaceful protesting. Peaceful protesting. For peaceful protesting. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I can, and now I can remember even the sit-ins mm -hmm. uh, right downtown Pensacola when we had the young people sitting in at the lunch counters and we as the adults were outside picketing and the policeman 
would take flashlight batteries off of the stand, stick them in the kids' pockets, and then arrest them for shoplifting. That's the kind of stuff we endured. I endured the Klan mm -hmm. shooting in my house. And the thing that added insult to injury about that is that the niece of the Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan here, T.T. Wentworth, mm -hmm. his niece came to town to, oh, just make it clear and do some things. And she never mentioned the fact that I was the target of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm -hmm. And that's no fun. When you got to sleep with one eye open and one eye closed, that's no fun. Mm -hmm. when, when, when the Klan is kicked in your back door, that's no fun. Uh, there's a young man in this town by the well, name it's, of it's, Michael it's, it's Jackson who I will never, never forget who sat up all night with a shotgun across his lap in order to protect me and my family where we could get some semblance of rest at night. Plus the fact that I was a janitor over at the building on Jordan and A Street that was called a physician's lab. And I was a janitor over there and the word came out from Dr. King that we were going to have a march that weekend from Selma to Montgomery in order to demand voting rights, rights that we should have had all the time, rights that were our God-given God rights. God-given rights. And uh, I dropped my little mop bucket and got in my little 1957 pink and white Ford Fairlane and made my way to Selma that Saturday for a mass meeting that night, that Saturday night. Mm -hmm. And that Sunday, when we attempted to march across the bridge, when we got about midway we were met by state troopers with billy whip clubs and tear gas and dogs. And they ran over us with those horses and dogs. And John Lewis, who was a friend of mine, was beaten worse than anybody. And I was in the middle, and thank God, all I got were a few bruises on my knee, but that there were people like John Lewis and and uh, Amelia Boyington, who was in the back, but they beat her down like a dog. So that was an experience I would care not to repeat. Mm -hmm. But I felt that it was worth it. But now. After all of that sacrifice that was made by blacks and whites, because we had white people in that march, we had white people who got killed 
trying to assist us. They already had the right to vote, but they were trying to help us. And and I never will forget that it was Reverend James Reeve, who got who was a Lutheran minister and got beat to death outside of a cafe in Selma. There was Viola Luzzo, who got shot because she was carrying riders back and forth because we had a little place in Hainville that was called Tent City. And uh, that was about midway. And we set tents up where people were. And she was taking people back and forth to that and got shot and killed. And she wasn't black. As I said, she was white. See, and that's, that, that's one of the big things. So <clears throat> when, we talk about, when we talk about Black History Month, if we don't continue talking, if, if people don't hear your story, your, your struggles, what happened, then we are likely it, to repeat lost. history. It's, it's lost. It's and lost. And we're bound to repeat it. And we're bound to repeat it. And that's why I think, yeah, it shouldn't be Black History Month. I agree with that um, totally. I mean, this is just should be part of American history. This is what exactly. American history is. And listen, a lot of a lot of white people don't want to talk about it because it's an ugly part of our history. Yeah. I mean, the way the 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 the, the discrimination, the violence, the Klan, everything. It's an ugly portion of our history. And so a lot of white people don't want to talk about it. But if we don't talk about it, and this is one of the things that upsets me so much about our governor making the decision not to allow black history to be taught. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, 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 it makes it so that we are going to repeat it. And exactly. we are going to go back. And that's why I said at the outset, I feel like we move one step forward, two steps back in many regards. Exactly. I, 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 I agree with what you said. There is some progress being made. In some mm-hmm. in some respects, but there's exactly. a lot of regression being, you know, exercised right now, and um, and so, you know, we need to continue talking about what it, what our history is. Exactly, and we need to. Uh, again, I'm being repetitive, but we need to stop uh, passing judgment on people. It's black and white, but based on the color of that skin. Mm-hmm. It irritates me for people to just kind of assume and sometimes speak that, that, that white people, all white people, are racist. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and again, I'm... I said that we got some black racists who just who are just as bad. Mm-hmm. So, but my experience was right here in this city was not the most pleasant experience that one could undergo. Mm-hmm. When you think about, like I said earlier... You were arrested and condemned for peaceful protesting. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Abused. I was arrested, uh, they say, for singing a chant. And this is, this is what I don't understand. Mm-hmm. 
They said that we sang a chant that said, two, four, six, eight, who shall we assassinate? Well, first of all, I didn't lead the chant. Secondly, it was proven that the chant was two, four, six, eight, who shall we incarcerate? Thirdly, the gentleman, a young preacher, who was with us, took the stand in court and testified that he was the person who led the chant. Didn't matter. Kirk Beale was determined that I was going to be gotten out of circulation. And when you are the target of law enforcement, you're not in a good place. Mm -hmm. And they arrested me, and when we went to trial, and it was proven again that the chant was 2468, who shall we incarcerate, and not who shall we assassinate. Plain as day on a shotgun recording. Uh, I was still sentenced. And went to jail. For five years in the state penitentiary. And a former member of this law firm, who was a dear friend of mine, Reuben Askew. Mm-hmm. Great governor. Is the one, is the best governor Florida has ever had as far as I'm concerned. And in some respects, I think he's been listed as one of the t- best governors in the history of the country. That's right. He so. was he was a good man. Mm-hmm. Founder, and, founder, he co-founded the firm with David Levin. David yeah. and Levin Askew. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. So we are, uh, <clears throat> I spent 30 days in the state penitentiary. I got out on appeal bond to the ninth, I think it was ninth circuit or eleventh circuit of of, of appeals, um, and they upheld my conviction. So they sent me back to the state penitentiary. I got out again after thirty three days. The first time I spent thirty days. Second time, I spent 33 days. I got out again on appeal bond. Now, but people said to me, you mean to tell me you only stayed in prison 63 days? I said, staying in prison 63 minutes for something you didn't do is not good. I said, but thank God the inmates had all heard about my struggle, mm-hmm. and they formed a protective wedge around me where they didn't let anybody mm-hmm. get to me. But now, prior to my arrival at the state penitentiary, I had been out on appeal bond. This I'm, I'm backing up. But anyway, um, 
I was out on appeal bond pending sentencing. Kirk Beale, again, was the, was the uh, judge. And I made the announcement that we were gearing up for the biggest demonstration that Pensacola had ever seen. And that's, that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And because when I was on my way out the door of my house <clears throat> that night, two deputies met me at my door and said that my bond had been revoked and they were ordered to bring me back to the county jail. One of them was stupid enough to say to a black inmate that he wished he I had run so he could have shot me. He was one of the ones who escorted me early the next morning, escorted me to the state after they, I had been pronounced guilty. It was a couple of mornings later. Escorted me to the state penitentiary along with another uh, deputy. And there was a young white fellow who was handcuffed to me, and we were both sitting in the back seat. And you know where Chattahoochee is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's the town Chattahoochee and then the, the mental institution. Mental institution. Yep. They got to the town of Chattahoochee and they stopped at a all night, one of them backwoods, good old boys uh, cafe, and got out, opened the back door of the cruiser mm-hmm. with me and this young white fellow back there and uh, went inside, and the young white fellow said to me, come on, HK, let's run. I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if you go, you're going to catch hell trying to carry me. I said, because I'm not going. They came out after they finished. I guess they were a little surprised to see both of us still sitting there. We got to the state penitentiary at Lake Butler, and when they got ready to come back, this young white fellow was coming back with them, and he told me, he said, HK, I want you to know, I'm not an inmate at all, but they had me handcuffed to you to entice you to run to say so that they could shoot you and say you were trying to escape. Trying to escape. But getting back to what I was saying about how the inmates formed a protective wedge around me because they'd heard about my struggles and they didn't let anybody get close to me, nobody, including the correctional officer because during that time they just picked people up off the street and put a gun on them and a billy whip club and they were ignorant as they could be so and they they didn't mind whooping you you know beating inmates Mm -hmm. well and we see that today in today's day and age it's amazing you can't turn the tv on without some type of police violence yeah and it very disproportionately is against Black people. Black people. No question. 
Right. So, so, you know, I guess I, I'm curious about your thoughts as to what you see happening. I mean, it, it, is, it is rampant. I mean, every time you turn on mm-hmm. TV, every time I turn on CNN or I turn on ABC News or anything else, there is a discussion about yet another, you know, and we've seen it. I mean, obviously, we're all familiar with all the stories and, and all of the news and all the videos showing abuse of young black, uh, young black men uh, by police. And it doesn't sound like things have changed all that much. No, and it's, it's the, I don't know do the, if they do background checks, uh, psychological checks on these policemen, because the mindset of so many of them, and, and all and this does not apply to all policemen. They've got no, some there's good, a lot of really good. They've police. got some good folk out there on the street. There are, and they and they face dangers, and 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 I I, I totally agree with you. And it it galls me for people to just categorize every policeman as being, uh, what do you call it? I don't know what, what you call it, violent or something, because they're all not like that. Mm-hmm. No, there's a lot of really good good yeah. police officers who do the right things. Yeah. Um, and, and the gun violence is, you know, right now, you know, and with, once again, getting back to our governor who wants there to be this, you know, ability to carry a gun. Wild, wild west. The wild, wild west. Uh, wild, wild west. And that, that is, once again, two steps back. Yeah. I mean, it just is. Um, but, you know. And people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, and they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now, but now, on this last killing in Memphis, Oh, I have had some people say to me, well, Matthews, I don't understand. Uh, black people always taken to the streets and rioting and carrying on when when a white policeman kill a black. Uh, where are they now? I said, well, first of all, these five black policemen, I said, yeah, they were immediately charged, discharged from their position and charged with the murder. I said a reason that black people are not cutting up and doing like they did is because when a white policeman or a white policeman uh, in a group kill a black person, they are suspended with pay. They're given a vacation. Pending the investigation. That's right. Yeah. Pending an investigation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the investigation does not take place because they think that the public forgets. And sometimes when it takes place, it's a mockery. Mm-hmm. So this is the reason that folk raise so much cane uh, when a white policeman or white policemen kill uh, a black person. Mm-hmm. So you and I were, uh, I was blessed to be uh, involved at the Martin Luther King Living the Dream banquet um, 
just a few weeks ago that you were at and honored at. And, and I am very honored to have gotten the H.K. Matthews Award, um, uh, which sits proudly on my mantle, and, uh, and I'm very proud of that. Talk about, talk about, in terms of Black History Month, just to try to keep the, the struggle alive, because it, we, we still have to talk about things. We still have to struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about Martin Luther King and his impact. Mon King was an <clears throat> ordinary man who did extraordinary things. People have asked me, what kind of man was Dr. King? And I said, well, he was just a regular person. But he was a knowledgeable person. And he was a person who had Every fiber of his being was equality for his fellow man. They celebrate Martin Luther King Day because he was a man who spoke up not just for black people, but for everybody. And he was not selective and who he was trying to help as it relates to status. Mm -hmm. Because if you recall, the city that he got killed in, where those five policemen killed this person, but the city that Martin King got killed in, he was in that city to support not some highfalutin folk, but garbage men. He didn't care if you were white or black, if you were in need of some kind of relief as it relates to your being. Mm -hmm. He was willing to put it all on the line to help you. And this was his legacy. You know, he was like Fred Levin. Mm -hmm. He was like Reuben Askew. He was like so many people who I know who would throw everything aside to help those they didn't even know. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was Dr. King's legacy. Well, and it, it was, it's interesting you say because it, it was really about equality, not, not trying to denigrate somebody else, like you said, whether they're white, black, yeah. Asian, anything. The, the reality is what it's about is equality, and that's, what we have to, that's why we have to keep talking and educating people about equality. Exactly, and we need to realize that, you know, you don't want to be pulling other folk down because you're trying to get somewhere because you don't build your house by tearing the shingles off somebody else's house. You, we are fighting for, I am, at my age, I'm still uh, against inequality. Mm-hmm. And I'm still pushing wherever I can for 
equality and rights for all of God's children. Mm-hmm. That's my position, and uh, I don't think I'll lose that. No, and and you know one of the things that so one of the the Dozier School, the Dozier Boys, Boys Reform yeah. School mm-hmm. uh, over in Mariana. We've been, we've been, Mike Papantonio and I have been fighting and trying to pass some legislation to try to bring some semblance of justice to the Dozier boys. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, you know, but it's getting back to what I guess my one of my original points was, it's amazing to me when we look at our history. And I walked through, I walked through the Dozier, uh, the, the, the school campus. Mm-hmm. Now it's obviously been abandoned, uh, closed in 2011. But I went through there with some of the victims um, and heard their stories about how they were treated. And one of the starking, one of the uh, uh, dramatic things was there was a black campus and there was a white, white campus. campus. And the blacks were not allowed to talk to the white, mm-hmm. well, call them students, you know, inmates. Um, and one of them, in fact, got yanked out of bed in the middle of the night and taken to the White House, which is what they called where they had their their uh, uh, where they had their beating rooms, and was beaten to within an inch of his life because he talked, because he spoke, because it was a black boy and a a a, a, a black kid and a white kid, and because they spoke they got beaten within an inch of their lives. And I guess my point is, it's amazing to me that I'm walking around the school and you can feel the evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can feel it. It's palpable. But you can... It's amazing to me that this was not that long ago. Yeah. It was not that, not long, that ago. long ago. You're absolutely right. And and I didn't have that experience but I was take I was taken on a tour of where the Little Rock Nine uh, in a a part of integrating. Yeah, uh, they took us on a tour of that school. I took several pictures with the statues, statues rather mm-hmm. outside. But uh, we went inside. We went around the school. And uh, to think about what even they—they they weren't, they didn't suffer like the Dozier boys did, but think about even what they had to go through. Mm-hmm. And to think about the bravery of those young people—children. That's right. They were children, and bravery. they showed—they showed more bravery. I'd, I'd like to think I'd have that kind of bravery. I don't know that uh-uh. I would. Uh-uh. I don't know that I, I, I would. Don't know. I, I, I tell people right now, if I had known what I was going to encounter on that Edmund Pettus Bridge, I'm not so sure I would have gone. Mm-hmm. You know, but I guess hmm, something within that pushed me to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were jubilant. We were... Uh, we knew we were going to be stopped. We knew that. But never, never did we think the evilness that we encountered, mm-hmm. we would encounter. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I want to thank you very much, Reverend. I want to thank you not just for being here and sharing your story um, and talking and, and educating people about American history. So we're going to call this American History Month for the rest of the month. Um, and, uh, but thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you. We all owe you a debt of gratitude for what you put yourself through, put your, you know, your, your family sacrificed, you fat sacrificed, yeah. everybody. And so you, you, dis, you demonstrated a level of bravery that is unmatched. And I Thank appreciate you. you being here. I appreciate you sharing the stories. And, uh, and uh, I hope I can get you back on here because uh, we got to keep talking. We yeah. got to keep talking. We got to exactly. keep talking, or else, exactly. or else the, you know, we have to. It's mm-hmm. still we still have work to do, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of race relations in this country, and we need to keep talking about it. Okay. So thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks for having me.